Hello, and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I took a second to pause the show because I felt like there were more important voices that needed to be heard and more important issues that needed to be paid attention to. And during that time, I had this conversation with Christian or Colliding with Mars, and in the middle of the episode, we really get into it and talk specifically about the Black Lives Matter movement and how important it is for our generation to understand it and to have an open mind and encouraging people to do exactly that, to look at the situation, to learn for yourself, to have positive conversations, to always seek a better understanding, and then from there, see what you can do to make a positive change. And if we all do that, the world inevitably becomes a better place. With that said, let's get into this episode. Where are all my friends? Another episode and another friend. I'm stoked on this one. We have only been internet friends, and this is the first time we're going to be able to talk and get into some really like your story and everything like that. So thank you for joining me, Christian, or Colliding with Mars. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, it's cool. I've uh, I've kept an eye on what you've been doing for a minute now, and I, I don't know your actual story. Like I've kind of only seen it from the internet side, and that's my favorite spot to be with these because I feel like as I learn, I'm just like so excited and I don't know, it's cool. I'm I'm happy to hear that. I guess I'll just like go into it, huh? Yeah, well, what I like to do is if anybody's listening and they have no idea who you are, just the absolute briefest explanation of who you are and what you do. My name's Christian. I have this music project called Colliding with Mars and I make indie pop. I make anti-pop. I make alternative pop. I'm I I, I you know, put trap drums on on guitars and it's not emo rap, but it's certainly close to it. <laughs> Yeah, I was. That was one of my questions for you. Is like what you categorize your sound as. So I like that indie pop, anti pop. It's it's somewhere in between all of it, and it it just works really really well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's 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 always it's always like a very tiny debate that I have whenever it comes to absolutes of genres and stuff. Like I remember when Aries was first popping off. Who I think we could all, you know, ca- ca- categorizes like the the first anti pop artist. I remember I would like have like I would I like go into the idiosyncrasies and like the intricacies of his music and I'd be like it's not emo rap because he's not he's not rapping he's he's just singing yeah. and there's trap drums you know it's like it, he's it, it's not rap music it's just it's just backed with like you know the the sensibilities of of modern trap it's not but you know that's just me being a fucking nerd but I No I but I feel it. you because like as as music continues to evolve like genres are kind of thrown out the window, right? Like you can listen as a fan and as an artist, you can listen to literally anything and everything. You just go online, you search, you find related artists. So because of that, if you think back to like the record store days, you had to like save up your allowance or whatever. And like, you'd only buy a couple albums. So you kind of find a lane that you like, and then you get stuff that's like similar record labels or whatever. But now as we can listen to anything, we can be inspired by anything and meld these things together so I think genres go away, but inspiration comes from everywhere. And it makes it this weird, interesting thing where you're like, well, what do you call it? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I had never, um, I'd never thought about it from that angle from, because like personally, I grew up um, in like a musical family. So yeah. my dad would always be playing like classic rock and like basically everything up until early 2000s rock music. So yeah. it was never so much a problem for me to find music because like my dad, like he was like a a songwriter in the eighties and he had 
a couple of bands and it was it was always like a thing for him but like for other people who didn't come from musical families I, i'd never thought outside myself in that perspective of like you know going to the record store and then like having to choose based on like what your friends know and what you know your your possibly your older siblings and and what you hear on the radio that's very interesting that yeah cuz that that's exactly how I go about music and I feel like that's how a lot of modern day musicians who like blend genres go about music. We are all, we're all just on streaming services and we're like, huh, that looks cool. I'm going to click on it and I'm going to listen to the whole thing, you know? Dude, right? And, and like to me, it's funny because I've worked in music for 10 plus years now. Like I'm very familiar with all sorts of different parts of it, but I've never played. I've never been an artist. I've never known that side. So as a fan, as somebody that just gets to listen to music, hearing what artists do now when inspiration comes from everywhere and you can just be like, cool, trap hats and 808s, like that'll go great. Like I love it. I love that those walls are going away and I love that people are getting inspired by everything, but that's purely as a consumer. And I couldn't tell you really like the technicalities of what, what comes from what or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you kind of got into where I normally like to start the podcast is like your early days, like where you grew up, kind of what influenced you, how you found music, all that. You said your dad was a musician. That's cool. Yeah. My, uh, my dad was a musician and he had, he like, he was, he's still a musician today. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't write anymore. He just kind of is a music hobbyist of a sort, but he, he was a songwriter in the eighties. Like I had mentioned, he wrote a couple of hits for a couple of people that I, legally cannot mention but you know big people Whoa. Um, so that was like his profession he was doing the thing well act, no not really it was it was Whoa. strange because my dad is like he's he's a numbers guy he's like a very uh like he worked at the nyse um like he, he's a consultant for anti-money laundering like he's he's like a he's he's one of those guys like a student tie cubicle man who do like Dang. crunches numbers he, and like he and, one like, of finds them money smart folk yeah, he's he's a really intelligent man, but he what his passion was ever since he was a kid was he wanted to be in bands. So he would like lit- like he would go to college and he would work his day job at the NYSE and he'd also work at this like fucking um a theater. Yeah, he'd work at a theater and he would like do like play productions and stuff and then he'd work his day job at the NYSE and then he'd go to college at night and then he'd play a gig at like 2 in the morning in in, in NYC with his uh with his bands at the time in the eighties, like in his, in his power pop bands. I'm from New York, by the way, I didn't mention that earlier, but I'm from, I'm from, you know, the, the New York city, uh, long Island area, the 5.6 same place. Okay. That, uh, we've, we've got from. some things to get into. Um, that's incredible. That's so cool. Cause I don't know. I, it's rare that I talk to an artist that had family. It's strangely like a lot of the artists that I talk to are kind of the first generation of that artist in the family. Not always, but I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's had a dad that was so deep into it. And I can only imagine that from that, it was an insane amount of support. I, I mean, tell me, it's your story. Oh, but yeah, like absolutely. for you to get into music, like I, I would assume that he was stoked and he's like, yo, like I'll teach you everything I know. I'll show you this, that. Mm-hmm. My dad went about raising me in like the things that I wanted to do in a very smart way because he would never push me to do a particular thing, even if it was something that he was in love with. Um, oh. he would always like suggest me to do something and like try it. And if I didn't like it, it was whatever. So like okay. I would try sports and I would try this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I really didn't care about music because, you know, I was a kid and like a lot of kids don't receive dopamine from listening to music until their brain starts to develop and they start to get, you know, a more cognitive level of understanding of the world. So like, you know, as, from as a kid from like three years old to like eight years old, I was like, I don't 
fucking care about music. I just want to watch SpongeBob and, you know, all that. And then at a certain point, my dad, like I, I was about nine or 10 and my dad, um, like he would, he would teach me guitar loosely and he would do this and that um, to like have a, a musical upbringing. I'd always listen to music because my dad would always be playing it. Um, and then around nine or 10, I enrolled in this program that he suggested me to do called School of Rock, which was, um, you know, just, it was, it was like how to be in a band if you're a kid. And, and it, it was a really in, in, like enriching experience because I learned a lot of things at a young age that a lot of other kids wouldn't have learned, especially coming from, you know, a family, a, a musical family. Like I had already known certain things, but like I was learning very, very basic things like what a chorus was and what a verse was. And then I would learn basic music theory, like, you know, your, your major and minor skills and just very menial things to just like touch upon that you could build upon later on in, in life as a, as a musician. You know what I mean? I just like learned the basics and I was like... I, I really didn't understand music until I went to that program and I played on a stage with other people. And then I got like an invigorating feeling of like playing music with other people. That was how I really, really got into it. That was the moment when I was like 10 years old where I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because like it was, yeah. it, you know, it was an amount of like happiness that I had received that I like nothing else had given to me at that point. And like, as a, as a kid, I was a visual artist as well. Um, and I was always, you know, doing, doing the visual arts. And I was like the art kid in my elementary school and my middle school. And that was like what I had really wanted to do. And then I enrolled in this program and I had really gotten this like punch in the face of like true joy from music. And I was like, fuck, I want to be in a band. You know what I mean? I, this, is, this is like what I want to do. And I was in a couple bands um, throughout my uh my childhood as well but you know at all okay so tell me about this here. because i just in the little bits of research that i've done on you and i try to like i try to come into these educated but not too educated because i want to learn these things but i didn't know you were from long island i had a feeling that you would come from more like full-on bands things like that um and back in my days of like early on touring with bands and tour managing bands I loved the Long Island music scene so much. Like the amount of bands that came out of there, the friends that we had from there, there was just something so special about that area and that era. Like I would say that era for me was probably like 2008 through 2014. I don't oh, know wow. what years line up with you, but what did that look like in Long Island? Like what bands, like what shows would you go to where you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. What bands were you looking up to? What did you want to sound like? Like what was that? Um, at that time, I was, I was very young. I'm only, I'm only 20 years old right now. I was born in 2000. Um, it's oh, 20, crazy. It's, it's 2020 at the time of this recording, but, um. Okay. So yeah, uh, so, so I'm, I'm like a generation older than you then. Yeah. That. So, yeah. so right when I started to get into music around 10 to 14, 14 is the last, like the last year that I was living in New York before I had moved. Um, okay. but like when I was in, four, when I was 14, I was playing in bands and, at, at around that time in my life, like I had really only listened to the music that my dad had shown me. And there was very little outreach in terms of my own, like what I enjoyed personally. Like I, I would be yeah. into a band, like like I'd, I'd go outside of what he enjoyed and I'd listen to like Weezer or like Radiohead or something just based on my knowledge of the internet and what like good quote unquote rock bands were. And I'd venture yes. out, but I would never go outside of the genre of rock music and like, you know, the like tube that my that my uh, father had like fed me through in terms of music. So like around the time of like 2014, when I was 14, I 
like I was playing in bands and we were like in a local scene, but it wasn't to the same level that you were. You know what I mean? We were still like a bunch of kids like playing in bands. Sure. So never, yeah. we never really entered a, a local scene. It was more so like we're, you know, we're playing for our friends and we're playing for our parents type thing. But yeah, it was, that's it was, almost it was through like that. the high school or like the talent show, like the in school, like playing kind of thing. Yeah. But it was still, yeah. I was still, because of School of Rock, it was like, kind of a magnet towards kids like me because it was like a bunch of kids who practiced their instruments like way too fucking much and like yeah. really understood the the ins and outs of their instruments and then we would all like play like some like we'd play like progressive rock at 14 years old and we'd just like have a great time playing music you know what I mean that's amazing so, what were some of the music that your dad showed you like what were some of the influences for you at that time uh, my dad his favorite band is the Beatles so there's a lot of that and he's like uh yes zeppelin and um you know smashing pumpkins a, a bunch of okay. big names in, in in like classic rock is what he was super into and the, what i like heard growing up um yeah like rock and, that dad's like yeah and there's yeah. Not, nothing wrong with that it's it's you know <laughs> no. it's pretty substantial music it, but it, it was dad rock and like you know yeah. so that's that's like what i had subsisted off of until i was about you know 15 years old and then i was like ah okay. the internet i'm gonna learn about all music now <laughs> Yes. And around that time, you said you moved as well? Yeah. Um, so I had graduated from middle school and then I had moved to uh, Fort Myers, Florida, also known as Buttfuck Nowhere, Florida. Um, oh, bro, I'm from Florida. I know uh, I am Florida man through and through and Fort oh Myers my God. is boring as shit. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 a, it's a time, man. Um, but yeah, we, we, we moved to Fort Myers because there was this uh, performance arts high school that I had, that I had attended and because Whoa. I was a musician, my parents were like, this is great for you. And I was like, I'm 14. I don't understand that New York is way better than Florida. So I was like, <laughs> okay, we're going. Your um, family moved for you to go to school? Um, it was, that, that was one of the reasons. The other reason was my, my both of my parents are like incredibly uh, like old for parents. Like my, when my mom had me, she was like in her 40s. It was like kind of a miracle that I was born. Me so like my, too. Yeah. So like my parents are yeah. old and they were like, we want to move because we're old. Uh, you know, snowbirds. And it was just a good excuse for me to also be able to go to this performing arts high school and learn more about music and like be like, you know, a musician still, even though I was like leaving all of my friends that I had just made through School yeah, of Rock. Damn. But it was it, it was what it, what it was. Um, and in Florida, I managed to like start a couple more bands and one of them ended up being one of the bands was named Colliding with Mars, and that's how I, you know, oh, no that's way. how I, I'm me now today. But like the kids in Florida at my high school were really good at classical instruments, so I learned everything about classical instrumentation. I learned all the like instruments that would go into a traditional orchestra. Um, so I had gotten that sort of cultural enrichment to learn about you know classical music, but I still wanted to be in bands, so I would still you know try and form bands, but there was no sort of school of rock in florida so it was just like kids that were like learning the strokes when i was like playing you know like in like complex guitar movements on on guitar so i'd be like ah no one can like keep up in a sense you know what i mean you you know you're 15 you're you're full of ego it's it's a great time um <laughs> but like like in terms of the things that i wanted to play and the things that i wanted to write um mm -hmm. like that's that's around the same time that i was starting to write my own music and i wanted to write like complex ish music like complicated stuff to play and no one else would be able to like do it so yeah. in this band colliding with mars everyone just kind of left because i was like the only person that wanted to do what i wanted to do everyone else wanted to play like seven nation army 
and like yeah. you know like learn how to play their instruments and i was like fuck so yeah throughout yeah it was high- almost like a curse that you learned too early because then when there's kids of your similar age you're just like sorry i'm i'm already ahead of this yeah that's exactly what it was like so as like i like left the band or everyone left the band except me and i just kind of you know took the name i guess and then like because there's really nothing to do in fort myers i was always on the internet I was like when I obviously when I wasn't in school and when I wasn't, you know, doing all that stuff, but I was always on the internet and I was just learning about new music because um, it was 2015. I'm pretty sure To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar just came out and Anthony Fantano had given it a 10 out of 10 on his channel. And I was like, yeah. just getting into more music through Fantano and he gave it a 10. And I was like, well, I don't listen to rap music. I should give this a chance. Got into, oh. got like super into rap music through that album. That was like my gateway album into hip hop. And then from there, I would just like whatever Anthony gave a positive review, I would like listen to and and like branch out. I'd go on, you know, like slash move slash on 4chan, learn about new music, not get too into it because those people are fucking weird. Um, yeah. And like, and like, I just be, I just like scour the internet for new music and I'd, I'd listen to like everything from like Ethiopian jazz to, to like un, uh, lowercase music to, you know, all, all sorts of genres that I would, would have never understood previously, but. I just yeah. loved music so much. It didn't matter what it sounded like as long as it was music and I enjoyed it. And I, I was, you know, so I was always on the internet. And as a, because of that, um, I like found SoundCloud and I got into making music as a solo act because I was like, oh, I don't have to be in a band to make music. I, I can just do all this myself. Like I already learned all the instruments. You know what I mean? I might as well just start yeah. making music as colliding with Mars by myself. And so that's, you know, that's how that started. Which, dude, I think that's so cool because, again, it's so fun to talk to you. Like, legit, I'm I'm 29 now, about to be 30. So, like, Happy we're birthday. 10 years apart. Oh, thank you. Um, but I think that when I was growing up, and again, I wasn't playing in bands, but that was what you'd see. Like, anybody in a band, all my friends, you couldn't just do your own solo thing. Like, I guess you could be, like, acoustic guitar guy on your own. Yeah, but the never shout, never. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that's, if you were in a band on your own, that's what you were. You were never shot, never. And I think that that's such a common story of so many people, so many artists that have a certain drive and it's like this struggle to find other musicians that are on the exact same page as you. And that's why it's like so rare for a band to not only get along, to jive, to write the right music, to get along on tour. So now that there's this new era of like, you can produce all your own music and being a solo artist just works and people understand it. That's another thing that's incredible is the kids that were absolutely obsessed have a platform to just go and do their own thing. And that to me is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like how I, I guess that's how I'm here today. You know what I mean? I found all the other people that were just like me that, well, yeah. well it, you know, all of, all of our mutual friends at least who were like literally band kids who then like were yeah. like, oh, fuck it. I don't need a band. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like Fatsy, he was on the podcast, like straight up playing and touring in Texas hardcore bands. Like so many people came from band world just because they were obsessed with music, just because they wanted to play and that was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. So now that you can do the own, like your own solo thing, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that the internet allows us to do that. I'm, I wouldn't be here right now if, if, I, ha- if I had to be in a band in Florida. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, dude, that was my, like, that was me in, like, again, I didn't play, but, like, watching my friends do that. It was just like, yeah, who can you get together? Who can, who even understands how to play this instrument? Because there's, like, two people to pick from. Hope it works out. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, okay, obviously you're not in Florida anymore. So what happens? You finish school there and then yeah, what? Yeah. So I finish high school there. Um, and I, at the same time that I'm in high school, I'm, I'm like doing all AP classes and I'm also dual enrolling and doing online school. So I'm dual enrolling in college and doing online school and doing all AP in high school. So I wow. like can't like, this is like my first year is colliding with Mars. Cause I started, I like started the project a little bit later into my high school career. The first two years were more so me playing in bands, trying to find people. And then I give up yeah. and then I start like making music and I start like, you know, trying to do colliding with Mars, the project. So, yeah. um, so my last two years of high school, I start and I meet all these wonderful people online through discord, which is what we're talking on right now, which is yeah. funny. Um, and I meet, um, I meet Halberd who's, uh, now, now goes oh, by Polearm. Polearm. Yeah. I, I meet him online and, and we're, we, I meet all these wonderful people through this lo-fi hip hop discord because I was going oh. on SoundCloud and I was just finding all these people. Um, but like my last year of high school was the year I was basically like going to three schools at once. So I couldn't really mm. make music that much, but I like, I, I would put out maybe like one song, like every three months or something. And, and that's not really a good way to start your career when you're on SoundCloud and you're like a nobody, you know what I mean? But thankfully yeah. I had met all these wonderful people on the internet and they had helped me like subsist myself as a entity on the internet. Like I, I managed to stay afloat and not fade away into obscurity in this like, you know, 2018 age of SoundCloud because I yeah. had the friends that I had. So, um, and end of 2018, I graduate from high school and then, well, not end of 2018, uh, you know, middle of 2018 when people graduate, I, I graduate mm -hmm. from high school and then I, I'm like, I don't want to go to college. I already did one year technically. Like yep. I already got my double A from, from the community college. Like I, I don't really want to do this. I want to do music still. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to have met some wonderful people online, as I had said three times by now. Um, <laughs> and one of them was this rapper, this lo-fi rapper named Love Sad Kid, um, who we, we were good friends for a while. Um, and yeah. Love Sad Kid actually took me on tour and we opened up for Hobo Johnson at the end of the year of 2018. So I, I was like no very, very fortunate way. to have to have like graduated high school and then go on tour. It was like a very... A theory you graduate for me. high school and yeah. immediately your first tour is with Hobo Johnson. Yeah. So that so that happens and that basically like changes my life for the better. And then that tour ends and then three months later we go on tour with Oliver Tree. Same same lineup. It's me and Love Sad Kid and then our friend Travis who uh, pressed the buttons on the on the laptop. I was playing guitar. Love Sad Kid was rapping and then we opened up for Oliver Tree a couple months later and then. Um, after that, me, Love Sad Kid, Polearm, and then Love Sad Kid's significant other, we all decide, oh, let's move to LA. And then, um, you know, last year, at around July, pretty, July 12th, I think, was the day that I moved. Um, last year was when I moved to LA, and that's how I'm here today. That's how I got out of Florida. That's amazing, dude. The fact that it happened so serendipitously and, like, so, like, that it was, you were able to work out, like, it it all happened so well when you yeah, just I'm, did it. I'm, I'm really, I think about that a lot, how if I didn't click that initial link from a sound, like it was in a SoundCloud description to go to the Discord server. If I had never clicked that, like if I was just like, like, because I, I had Discord at the time and I was like playing video games with my friends and I could have yeah. so easily just been like, oh, a Discord server, whatever. You know what I mean? But if the, the, the fact that I chose to click it and then join and then become friends with these people, like, 
I would probably be such a bitter fucking person right now if I hadn't clicked that link. You know what I mean? My life would be entirely different in every single way. So I'm, Dude, I'm like very thankful. That legit just gave me chills thinking about it. Like, cause I'm obsessed with hearing these moments and these stories and how things come to be. And I've never heard it broken down to literally clicking a link on SoundCloud. Like, holy crap. Yeah, that's it's, crazy. It's a it's a it's a wonderful time to be uh, alive on the internet. It's nuts. It's really cool, and it's it's again for me. It's really cool to hear like the next generation explaining that come up story. Like that that gives me so much excitement and encouragement to hear it. So damn. Okay, so you move out, and I mean, what you must be you're 18 still then when you move out to LA. Uh, I was 19 because 19. I, I moved okay. out last 2019. I moved out, and now I'm 20. So yeah. Okay. Dude, was that insane to go from living in like slow, slow moving Florida to be 19 years old and then just be in the thick of LA? Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't too hard because I had come from New York, obviously. So I had understood oh, yeah. what it was like in city life. But like the four years that I had spent in Florida, I didn't really, like, obviously I had friends. Everyone has friends in high school, but I didn't really have friends in high school so I would just be alone in you know my room every day and I just do this thing and I'd hang out with my internet friends and then moving to yeah. LA was like kind of just like hanging out with my internet friends but we were all in you know in real life so it wasn't too much of a culture shock for me it was just like oh I have more to do now I don't have to just That's stay cool. at home and just make music all the time I can like go out and hang out with people and meet new people you know new musicians and um so yeah, and then um, I actually found all of our mutual friends through through Polarm because he, you know, I moved in with him and he introduced me to everybody, and that's how I met. You know, we 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 all oh. went to a Belize show at the same time, and I met uh, Savage Gasps, Fatsy, and Ninety Three Feet of Smoke in the in like you know one night, and that, ever since then everything's been different, you know, in a good way. But you know, that's but, crazy. Yeah, because I'm trying to think when I met Polarm, I think he came through our house one time. Because at one point, it was me, Fatsy, 93, all living in the same house. And I, I want to say it was then he came through to like film something. Um, maybe it was later because I think he also came through one time when I recorded a podcast with somebody else and he came through. But it's funny because like I kind of met him through friends as well, but mm -hmm. he wasn't like the the crucial homie. Like the way that you guys were like super tight he was like the friend of friends. And I was like, oh, cool. He's got something cool going on, but I didn't really know fully. So it's nuts to hear this all connect and him be a catalyst for a whole other friend circle coming together. Yeah, isn't that strange? That, that's something that I was talking about with Gasper a couple of times as well. Like around the time that Gasper's like click, like, uh, uh, like yeah. a couple members of it, like had like had a falling out, and then me and Evan just came in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we just like replaced them, and it was like very strange to like everything in so far in my music career has just been so like as you said serendipitous. It just kind of like happens at the right time, which is very man. I'm I'm such a lucky guy. I'm so I'm so like fortunate. I I should I should be nicer to people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, I feel you. It's cool. Uh, talk to me, like, as we're talking about all these friends and everything, something that's so relevant to that is Heirloom Remix, which is maybe the most features I've seen on one song ever. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, maybe. Um, Heirloom Remix. Um, so that this is, a, this is another good story. 
I so I had been living in LA for like three months. Um, yeah. I had just gotten a job at a record company, United Common Records, which is a lo-fi hip hop label, and I was just you know doing doing internship stuff, and it was I was you know paying the bills and all that, and yeah. it, was, it was good. And my like my career in LA so far had been like okay, cool, I'm like doing something that's good. And then I release uh, there's this EP that I put out last year called Everything Sparkles in Heaven. Um, okay. I, and I, I put that EP out. I put that out on November 12th. And then three days later, it, like s- literally three days later on that Friday, I drop, I like traditionally drop music on Tuesdays. Three days later on that Friday, Gasper, who I had met like two times, like messaged me, messages me on Twitter and he goes, call me. And then he gives me his number and then I call him and he's like, hey, do you want to go to New York? I'm working on my debut <laughs> album. Do you want to like come out and like produce it with me in 93 Feet of Smoke? And I was like, what <laughs> what so that's crazy so gasper like gasper found you because i was gonna say i found your music first through gasper like one of the track that he dropped that was featuring you a couple years ago i was like oh who's this and i was like oh this is great so i had no idea that he literally just found you on the internet was it i hope you're doing well yeah i hope you're doing well was the song we put out together that was the technically the lead single of his album that uh 300 entertainment so graciously will not put out but that's you know that's music industry (laughs) stuff um but yeah so three days afterwards gasper had like you know gasper had heard of me we had met a couple times like i had said and it was it wasn't anything you know drastic but he had listened to my ep and he was like you know he was he was nice enough to to give it a shot and listen to it all the way through and he really liked the song heirloom specifically he thought the production on it was crazy i was like okay yeah. cool and and then he invited me out and we started working on his on his debut record in new york city um so there i'm back in new york all these years later um oh my god and uh, i go i go with paul arm and then that's really when we all become like good friends um Oh, so, and then that's when you met 93 for the first time? Yeah, that's when I met... Well, I, I you know, I had met 93 a couple times, but that was when 93 and I became friends. Got and it, because you like as, worked on something together. Yeah, because... And then yeah. as during the duration of the first trip to New York, working on the record, which was... That was the first trip. Um, Gasper was telling me how much he liked the song Heirloom. And like he, he like really liked the song Heirloom. And I was like, th- th- thanks. I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. That's, that's, uh, that's very... Sh- sure, man, you know? Like and yeah. and like he liked it so much he was like, you, you know, you, he, like he was talking to me. He was like, you should have asked me to be on the song. And I was like, I didn't know you. And he was like, ah, oh, right. Well, you know what? There should be an heirloom <laughs> remix, and me, ninety three, Fatsy, and Shinigami should get on it. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then he he was basically like the guy that pushed for that to happen, which was like very 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 cool of him. Um, so th- like the the seed for heirloom remix had begun. Um, yep. And that was that was the beginning of the seven month long course for this song to come out, um, and then like we came home from New York, everything you know was fine. Everything we we're just you know mulling about doing our thing, uh, and then like over the course of the next I'd say five months, um, every like we we get the official like lineup for heirloom remix for the, all the features on it. Like Shinigami comes out to here to L.A. We all hang out. We're we're like discussing this. Like we're a boy band. You know what I mean? And, and like Heirloom Remix is going to be like our first boy band song. It's going to be like this big you thing. Finally, you finally got your band, Christian. You did it. Yeah, after, after, <laughs> thank you. But yeah, so <laughs> we, we figure it, we figure it out. And then one day um, we're all hanging out in 93's house. And then we like, you know, we start tracking it. And then Heirloom Remix is like born. It's like, you know, completed. Polarm puts his part on. 
um, like separately so he can produce his own part because his own section of the song is very, you know, PC music, very hectic. Um, and then mm-hmm. like the song is done in like pretty much one night. Um, we all, uh, my, my part was finished already because my part, my first half of the song is, you know, the same as the regular song, the non-remixed mm-hmm. version. But everyone else right. lays down their verses, the song's done. And then uh, we, while we're still there, um, everyone wants to go and record the music video and we're like, okay, well, we have ideas this and that. Um, I don't really remember all the details of it because it was a seven-month process, like I said. But long story short, we have the video. Gasper doesn't like the video. I'm like, okay, what can we do? Gasper's like, we should reshoot. I reshoot some parts. It's like still not good. FM doesn't like it either. And I'm like, okay, well, then we can give it to Tommy from Overcast because he's Tommy from Overcast and he's the video editor and he can do the video well. And we're like, okay, cool. That's right. So then we give it to Tommy and then Tommy is doing it pro bono, which is very nice of him, but he's doing it pro bono and he's working on like 800 other projects. So he really doesn't get it back to us um, for like the course of three months. And at that yep. point, I'd been sitting on the song for seven months and I was just like, you know what? I I don't care. I want the song to be out because like I was talking it over with my my, my quote unquote team and um, we were like, we should drop Heirloom Remix and then you should start, you know, your single run of 2020. And then, like, it took forever for LM Remix to come out. And the video is still not even, you know, fucking out at the time of this recording. So who knows when that's done. But, um, yeah, that's the story of Heirloom Remix. Very, uh, very terribly rewritten by me. Well, not rewritten, but respoken by me. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I feel it. And it's cool. Like, it's cool to hear that. And, like, it's funny because if anybody listening to this was paying attention, you could kind of, like, if, if you were following any of those individual artists you could see it happening where it's like, oh, they're all together. They're working. Oh, they're working on something. Oh, they're filming a music video. Oh, they're all covered in paint. They're posting these things on their socials. So it's like, it's funny that you say it back as if it was almost like this, not nightmare, but like this this saga of a process. Because it, to it me, from the yeah. outside, it, it felt almost intentional. Like I was like, oh, wow, cool. Like they're doing a lead up. Oh, cool. They're all posting this. Oh, cool. Like it's all going together. And it, it, as a passive fan, you're almost like, waiting for every piece to unfold so it's funny hearing you explain it where you're just like i don't know man we tried to do it and it all got messed up so here it is coming out as it goes it's so funny yeah it's really unfortunate because we had all there was one specific day where we had all posted like something relating to it and that and like later that week it was supposed to come out and then like fm and and gasper were like video is not good enough we gotta we gotta redo it and then oh because the video wasn't good enough, it like didn't come out. And then I was like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of waiting. I have all these, I have like, you know, 40 songs in the bank. I want to put these songs out. I'm going to put the remix out. I don't care anymore. No one else cares anymore. I put it yeah. out. And then like, you know, Derek Chauvin decides to kill George Floyd. And then the entire nation uh, sets on fire as it should when a, an, an unarmed black man is killed for no reason. And then like it comes out at the worst possible time. And it's like, ah, yeah. another slap in the face at the at the hands of racism in America. God damn. Dude, but, yeah. I know and I feel you. And it's like with this podcast, like I pause as the t- at the time of recording this, the podcast is paused just because I feel like what's going on in the world is more important than music. And I don't want to take away from attention of making the world a better place and handling things that are so fucked. But it's really interesting for just this time right now in 2020 and music and even before that, like coronavirus, people not being able to tour. I know our genre or this genre doesn't tour quite as much, but like it's really, really weird and interesting right now as far as like staying active as an artist. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's a, 
Right now is a very, at at least, uh, am I allowed to say the date that we're recording this? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, June 12th, 2020, today specifically, is very strange because the, you know, social media is like trying to phase out the fact that everything happened. They're trying, like, as all things are on the internet, it's like phasing out and, and, and social media is, is in, in it, like attempting to phase away what's like more important with all these protests currently happening, you know, today. And it's like feeling like things are going back to normal, but I know that things aren't going back to normal and things shouldn't go back to normal. So I'm trying to balance like my, what really is very, very important. And I'm also trying to balance like the fact that I still make music and I still need to pay the bills. So it's like, it, it, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, boo-hoo, me, I'm an artist, I, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's more so like, I, a, in addition to what you what you said, what it's like living right now in this music scene, it's like, this is very important. And it's like finding a balance, an appropriate balance between the two because obviously people still want to hear music. They don't want to put the world on pause, but we want to give light to these very important, you know, political issues that are currently happening. So it's like, it's very... Not, not, not in any way tedious. It's just interesting that there's this new, like, you know, level to music, where yeah. it's like it's like certain people like aren't about it. Certain people aren't about Black Lives Matter, and certain people are just like living their normal lives. And then there's certain people that are like, hold on, my life, I would like it to go back to normal, but like we got to do this. You know what I mean? So right. It's, it's like just, that's the interesting thing is before all of this like talk about coronavirus. Nobody likes coronavirus. At least the entire world can agree like this fucking sucks. Yeah. But then this happens and I feel like our generation and so many, I guess, of our circle and our friends, like so like-minded, like we are so here for this. And we're like, yo, this is extremely important. Like let's do our part. Let's make the world a better place. So it's not like you're sitting here like, oh, fuck coronavirus. Like it's like, oh, this matters. So like, how do we balance this? How do we make a difference? How do we make a change in something so much bigger than a specific podcast or a specific song while at the same time, like staying alive, paying bills, keeping up and like having some outlet of creativity so you don't go crazy and just get depressed. Yeah. Yeah, It's absolutely. really wild. So it's, it is like, after, I'm actually- Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I'm glad that you said the date and I'm glad to have a bit of this discussion uh, just because it's it's so current and so relevant and it's such an interesting time that it's it's going to get better. Things will obviously eventually get better, but being in it right now is wild. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not um, my favorite time, but I'm yeah. so... I'm, it, it's very strange for me personally, at least, because I'm half Asian, I'm half Filipino, I'm, and I'm half Italian. And growing oh, up... crazy. Growing up, like, I had... Well, it... Uh, Right now, I majority of my friends are white people, so they don't consider mm-hmm. me to be Asian. They just consider me to be another white person, which is fine, and I'm not mm-hmm. uh, offended by it, but race has always been something that's been very important to me because growing up in certain, you know, I, I've like experienced racism because I'm half Asian. I looked much more Asian when I was a kid than I do now. Now mm-hmm. I just kind of look like Joji, but um, like, you know, it's it's something that's been very important to me, so I'm happy that these issues it's like i don't look like a like a crazy activist talking about these things that are very important to me now now it's like somewhat 
the norm to be like, hold on, hold on, yeah. this is fucked up. And I'm like, finally, you know, it feels like there's yeah. a, a relief off of my shoulders. And, and like, obviously, I've, I've experienced the privilege of being half white and that's helped me in my life. But I've also ex- experienced racism at the hand of me being half Asian. So like both sides of me when it comes to this is like, hey, hey, you guys were mean to me. And then also, hey, stop being mean to everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, like that, that's a really, that's an interesting perspective. And for myself, like to come straight up, like I'm just like white kid. Like I, if there's ever the time where you like get white privilege or if there's like a thing of it playing in your favor, like I've always just been like harmless looking white kid. So for me right now, like, it's been really interesting to kind of just shut up and listen to my friends that have had different experiences and be like, damn, that's fucked. Like, you don't really think about it until you open your eyes and your ears to like listen to these other experiences and the other ways that things can be. So anybody that's dealt with it on any level, like to just be like, oh shit, man, I'm I'm so sorry. Or like to learn how to make it better. I don't know. It's yeah, nuts. That's, that's something I've noticed just growing up even... Even in high school, like I was like very personally very interested in other cultures and like geography and whatnot. And I yeah. would try to like spark a conversation with my like white friends in high school and I'd be like, hey, this place, like, you know, like like Iran, like us in America, we think Iran's just like, you know, a, a bunch of fucking terrorists, but it's like a beautiful culture. There's all these things, yada, yada, yada. And I try to explain these things to like my white friends and they'd just be so like, I don't care about Iran. You know what I mean? Because it was one of those things where it didn't affect them in any way. So it didn't matter to them. And that's like exactly what I see a lot of white people right now are experiencing. It's like, this never mattered to me before because it didn't affect me. But now I understand what it's like to be somebody else. And it's like, oh shit, my eyes have been closed my whole life. You know what I mean? So it's like really cool to see people who are like before, like uninterested in, in every way to be like, oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, you know? Totally, dude. Totally. And and like, that's, I think, I hope, again, it's like, I try not to come at any of this with like some definite opinion or like, I'm right. Because it's like, again, if there's anyone that's just been lucky enough to be privileged white kid, like I'm here. So like, I try not to, it's not my, it's not my battle to fight as far as like coming in with my opinion or my struggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just hope that everybody is humble enough and open-minded enough to not just have a predetermined idea and to just look at this right now and just be like, oh damn, these are other people's experiences and this is what's going on. Like if you if you don't turn a blind eye, these are some of the things that are going on and no one should be treated like that and like, let's make this better. So I don't know, it's cool to hear your side as well. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me though, because obviously we're in this time right now. We don't know really what happens next, but... I am curious, in a lot of ways, this is the beginning of your career. Like, oh, you're, yeah. you've been putting out music as a solo artist for, call it, three years now? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say. Just about? Yeah, like, it being my main thing that I do, I'd say one, like, you know, to, to like cherry pick it, I'd say one year I've been mm-hmm. doing this and it's been like, I'm, a, I'm an artist. But the other two years yeah. were like, you know, me in high school, like, ah, I'm trying to be an artist. But yeah, yeah r- roughly, totally. roughly three years in total since I started, you know, this. 
Cool. Well, yeah, because for me, like I've had all sorts of different guests on the show and like different levels of their career. And I love the early days talking to an artist in the early days because we don't know what's next, right? Like to me, in my opinion, this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I like a couple of the first songs that I really attached to of yours was the song with Gasper. Hope you're doing well. I loved My Mom Doesn't Believe in Me and I loved Lip Lock. And I feel like that's all kind of like the 2019 era. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'd say I hope you're doing well. Was it's it's like the next this chapter. I'd say you know the mm-hmm. the 2020. I haven't released music in seven months chapter. Um, but but yeah, the 2019 era, the the first year. It, that's like the my mom lip lock era. So my question is now, what like what do you see in your future? Like, what are you excited about right now? What are you inspired by? What do you? What's that look like? Like. I mean, you got to tour so early with such incredible artists. However, it wasn't your artist project, right? Like you were just yeah. on tour with your friend. Yeah. So I, I was just agreeing. Like it wasn't me on tour per se. Obviously, I got to meet those people and hang out with those people. And they know me as Colliding with Mars because I was Colliding with Mars at that time. But it wasn't, I wasn't playing a set of my songs. I was playing guitar for Love Sad Kid at the time. Yeah. So um, right now, at least... Um, I'm just very, very excited. I'm, I'm very happy to be at the level that I am because for, well, for, for two main reasons, one of them being, I, it's really cool to know that people listen to my music because there were like, obviously I'm still starting out, but there was, you know, the two to three year period of just starting where nobody really knew me because I was just starting. And now that I've set a solid foundation of, a, of like you know a single run in 2019 of like 10 or 12 singles or whatever like people like know yeah. me now and I actually like there are artists that are smaller than me that I really really believe in that I like love and it's just it's the nicest thing in the world to like message one of them and be like yo I love your stuff you should be bigger I want to like help in any way that I can and then them be like oh I you're colliding with Mars and I'm like yeah, I'm colliding with Mars, but you're fucking you're you know you're El, you're Elroy or you're you're Bryce Bishop. Yeah. You're one of these, you're one of these at the at this time of recording this. You're one of these artists that I really look up to. Who are much smaller than I am. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. that's really cool because I get to be like in uh, in some way a big brother to other artists, and that's something that's really nice because I just really love music and I just really want to help anyone that I can whose music I truly believe in. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, because of my experience at United Common Records, I would, I like love writing Spotify pitches for my friends. And I love, you know, doing like artist bios and, and just little things like this and like helping them with marketing and stuff, like learning yeah. how, how to market your own songs. Because like all these people who I'm finding, they are great at music, but they don't understand the music industry. And I yeah. I was able to understand the music industry so early because I, you know, I went on tour so early. I met all these people. I moved to L.A. so early. So I learned all these things very fast. Um, yeah. Actually, tell me about that for a second, because I, I want to hear all about you working at the label, what you've learned, all that. And also kind of applying that to your project. Even if you look at all of your single art and all the things you put out, it, it's very cohesive. And it does feel like you understand more than just making music, but marketing and branding as an artist. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, you're welcome. In in terms of my cover art, that's something that I, that was, that was really actually like, that's funny. I've never really talked about this, but my cover art just came from a place of necessity because for me personally, 
music is obviously very important, but cover like the whole package of music is very like I love the art of music and the visual art of music. Like the 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 practice of creating a song and putting it out into the world with cover art and like with everything is something that I've always really appreciated. And that's something that I obviously learned from, you know, being the son of a musician as well. I learned all these little things, these very, very little things about the music industry that didn't really matter, but became a necessity to me, a necessity to me over time as I then became an artist. So like my cover art, like I make all my cover art and it was very deliberate. The 2019 single run, like I made a style I sat down for like three days and I worked on developing an art style for my stuff because I was super into like the Tumblr cloud aesthetic at, at that yeah. time. And that was something yeah. that I was like, this is something I love. This is something I want to portray to myself, to others. Like I want people to see my cover and like know me in a sense. You know what I mean? With the, with the digital sparkles and then like the very saturated um, colors yeah. and like the plants and everything like that's like part of me or at least that was part of me at the time you know what I mean that was very yeah. that was very important to me to put out there especially because like I'm I'm like an asshole because like if I don't like an album cover I won't listen to the album like for instance Brockhampton who's one of my mm -hmm. favorite groups of all time there when they yeah. first started popping off with their first record or their first album saturation one i hated the cover art so i didn't listen to them for the longest time because i was like this cover art sucks why would they do mm -hmm. this like you work so hard on the music and then when it comes to the cover art like you if you are putting in this level of like effort into the into the thing that is going to make people click on it like no i'm not going to click on this like this is like <laughs> this this art sucks in my opinion you know what i mean I, like still to this day i think the saturation one art is like not good but like the fact that they were putting out so many albums like made me eventually go to them and like love their music. Yeah. But it it wasn't the art that got me. It was it was the music that got me. So I try to get people with the art and with the music. I want people to see the cover art and be like, yo, that's cool as shit. I'm going to click on that and yeah. I'm going to listen to this song and hopefully it'll be good. And then, you know, that's the part where I try to make the music sound good. Um, but um, everything I learned from... United, working at United Common Records has really helped me on the back end of things in terms of the stuff that you really don't hear people talking about um, when it comes to like distribution or like properly putting yourself online as an entity. Like a lot of people who are artists, especially up and coming, they don't realize that when you're an artist and when there's people listening to you, you kind of like it sucks, but you kind of have to be a version of yourself on the internet. You have to be like this larger than life person. You can't really be yourself on the internet because there's certain things that make that there's certain things that people click on on the internet and there's certain things that people don't click on on the internet and being human. A lot of people have the tendency to want to post things that people won't click on because of that. I, I can't always post Nintendo video games on my, on my Instagram and on my Twitter. I have to be colliding with Mars. I have to be this figurehead for my own, you know, music project. I like, and that's why I refer to it as a music project outside of myself. Like, obviously I am colliding with Mars, but I'm also the face of colliding with Mars. You know, like, right. I, I'm the face of my brand. I am a brand at the end of the day in this age of the internet where, you know, like when, when in the seventies and eighties, you could be a band and that would be it. You know, you'd, you'd have cool hair, you'd wear cool clothes, you'd play guitar and, babes would love you because you play guitar and that that's all you needed but <laughs> nowadays it's like 
you got to look good, you know, and like there's all these other things when it comes to just the intricacies of like promoting a song, which is something that I really enjoy teaching people about, or at least, you know, the, the people that I am trying my best to help out. Like, I'll be like, you know, you got to post about the song coming out. You got to post about it like, you know, two weeks before it comes out and you got to not shut the fuck up about it. Like people have got to hear it about your song because if you just post it once and you're afraid about being annoying, no one's going to hear you because the internet is so fast. You know what I mean? Everything is so quick and it goes away so quick. So you got to not shut up about your song. You got to keep posting about it. And you got to like, there's, you know, there's just all, all that stuff when it comes to marketing, when it comes to distribution, you got to know yourself as a person and you got to write a strong write-up, you know, type thing. Like this is, this is all stuff I learned from working at a real record company, like yeah. the, just music, music business. So I, I hope I answered the question. You did very well. And I, I tried to be as quiet as I could there because everything that you said, I completely agreed with, but I didn't want to steal that from you and make, you know, I didn't want to add my two cents to every bit of it. But I think that you said that so, so well. And I, I really agree. It's almost like you're making a cartoon character of an artist or a person when you're doing social media. And I think you, a lot of the things you said there, I loved the way you put it, where it sometimes can feel counterintuitive or weird, or you want to post the stuff that people won't care about. And you have to like be bigger than that, or like understand that you're making a branded thing or project. And that's just kind of the rules of the internet right now. So the fact that you're 20 years old at the time of us talking and you understand these things the way you do is really cool to me. Because I think that that's insanely valuable advice for anyone listening at any age with whatever project you're working on. So I love that. Thank you. Another thing you said in that, which piqued my interest, is you keep referring to the 2019 single run and all of that had that cloud Tumblr aesthetic. But that makes me think, as an artist and as you look to the future, do you now look like, because I, you know, like you can drop albums and that's an important piece of art, but I think that you kind of have to understand how to properly drop singles, at least in this era. Mm -hmm. Do you look at singles in almost like a year run? Like yeah. from your perspective, when you look at 2020, are you going to look at this year? Or I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a weird year, but would you look at any given year and say, okay, for 2020, this is how many singles are coming out. This is what the aesthetic is going to be for this year. Is that kind of the blocks of time you think in? Absolutely. That's, 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 you, you like nailed it on the head. Um, mm. And that's obviously something that I haven't been able to act upon because of heirloom remix and because of the pandemic and, you know, all the, all the protests and all that. I haven't been able to execute it on the same level that I did last year that I wanted to, but that's like, I, that's how I group things in my mind when it comes to my own music. I, I, exactly. Yeah. Like I, when I think about the 2019 single run, it's the 2019 single run. Like this is, yeah. this was the aesthetic, this blah, blah, blah. And the 2020 single run is going to like, um, in on June 23rd, which is going to be in about two weeks from this recording, I'm going to start the 2020 single run finally. And it's going to have a new aesthetic. The music's going to sound a little bit different, but not like crazy different. It's it's just like, you know, an upgrade from the 2019 stuff. And it's, it's like a current, I always try to make it a current reflection of the person that I am at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, the, and to address what you had also said, yes, I personally feel like dropping singles in this age of music is so much more important than dropping an album because 
I managed to get to where I am today by doing the 2019 single run. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't do that. Um, yeah. And and like if I had just dropped an album, it's it's something a lot of people who are first starting out, they don't realize like you can't just drop an album. Like you have to have people who are there that are going to listen to it first. Because if you just drop an album, it could be the greatest album of all time. But if you don't have anyone to listen to it, it won't be the greatest album of all time anymore because no one's going to know. You know what I mean? So like you need to Dude, build absolutely. a fan base and and that's that's like what i did with tw- with 2019 i released however it was like you know like i said 10 or 12 singles i don't really remember and i i just did it and i was like okay cool i've cemented myself i have a fan base now and now off of this i can build i can do the 2020 single run and i can do a, you know new year new me literally in terms of yeah. my music and it's 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 going to be a good time Yeah, I love that for a lot of reasons because, you know, we're talking about branding as an artist and and marketing and kind of like more than just the great music because you need more than just the great music. And it's this weird, uh, there's two things at play at the same time. You have, you need to make your brand so painfully consumable and simple and understandable of like, I'm going to look at this cover and have an idea of what this is going to be. And it, it all goes together. It's all cohesive. It all makes sense. So you need to have that from a marketing standpoint. But then as an artist and as a creative person, you always need to progress and push yourself to evolve. So I've never heard somebody explain it. And I know it's such a simple concept as we talk about it, but the 2019 single run and just the idea of thinking in chunks of a year. And with singles and making something so cohesive for one year of that, it's a concept that obviously is done all the time, but the way you broke it down that simplistic is really cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny too, like it makes me think of uh, something that I read in this book, which I'll slightly butcher, but basically the dude is talking, he goes and does an interview And the person interviewing him is like, oh, I'm such a big fan of yours. Like, you're this best-selling author. Could you give me advice? I'm a writer too. And the dude is like, yeah, like, go to school to learn sales. Learn how to sell your product. And the person gets all offended. And they're like, I'm a well-written, well-educated person. Like, how dare you tell me to go to school for sales? And he's like, well, like, you can be a best author, but no one's going to know it. Like, you have to be a best-selling author. You have to have that product and then also sell it to people. So I think that that applies to artists as well as like you, there are so many talented artists, but you also need to understand how to market and brand your project and do so much more than just be a musician, at least in this day and era or this, this era. Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate to a degree, but it's also for the, for those of, of which that can subsist and, and create at that level, it's incredible the amount of skills that you learn, like your skill set overall as a character in in the Earth uh, arc of of you know the, the, the <laughs> timeline of forever, like your skill set <laughs> improves incredibly because if you know if I didn't have to do all this extra bullshit, I wouldn't know how to talk to people on the internet. I wouldn't know how to make digital art. I wouldn't know like how to you know like there's so many things that I know how to do because I'm a because I'm a musician and it's like. It, it's so applicable to any other form of art as well. Or even just if I wanted to just fucking sell hockey pucks now, I could, I'm like way better off than just some, you know, guy from Florida <laughs> trying to sell hockey yeah. pucks. Yeah. It's like, it's the ultimate, you know, I, I trace it back. Like, again, I'm probably like 
an era before you in music, but a lot of touring for us, but just the early days of building an artist project, touring all of these pieces. It's like, to me, that's the ultimate college. Like talk about like entrepreneurial skills, like necessity forces you to learn it all if you want to be successful in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that that's the that's the way to explain it. That's the, that you used all the vocabulary that I didn't have. <laughs> well, look at us just complimenting the points, agreeing on the same things. Um, no, I love that. Uh, we hit our hour mark, and it was such a fun conversation. Like, I, I love all of this. I love your perspective. I'm so impressed at the fact that. I mean, it makes sense because you've been doing this for so many years. So to be like, oh, you're only 20. And it's like, well, yeah, but you have so many years in already. Um, but like to conclude this, where just like tell like tell a listener who maybe hasn't found your project, like where can they find you? What are you focusing on? Uh, what's coming up? Uh, yeah. Um, so as of right now, as of June, June 12th, 2020. Um, yep. What what I have going on is um, I'm I'm colliding with Mars. I'm available on all major streaming services except SoundCloud because I don't like SoundCloud anymore, and I'm not putting my music on there. Um, Whoa, my guy! All right, yeah, but <laughs> sorry, I'll, we can get into that if if we want to. But um, yeah, I'll, I'm I'm my music's available everywhere. I, I'm I'm on almost everything except for probably VK and TikTok, um, and. Right now, I'm I'm working on my 2020 single run. It's about to it's about to start. I'm gonna release one or two singles every month for the rest of the year, and hopefully, I can end the year with some you know big big cool thing. But um, you know, right now, I'm working on music that's an evolution of my previous sound. Um, before it was like you know very guitar oriented, very quote unquote band. Like rock band music, it sounded like a lot like Tudor Cinema Club or Phoenix or any other 2010s indie band. And and then I you know put a little bit of production and uh, you know modern day production into it to make it sound modern. But right now my my music sounds a lot more electronic. It sounds a lot more anti pop. It sounds a lot more like you know the likes of Aries or the likes of Oliver Tree. All the all the people that are like you know popping off right now. So if you enjoy you know, Deb Never, the anti-pop playlist on Spotify, even even like a band like Surfaces. Um, I'm I'm sure there's something that I have to offer to you if you you know if you like if you like hi hats and 808s. I'm I'm your guy. If you like guitar, <laughs> I'm also your guy. So, dude, I love that. And yes, I have to bite because there's two things you said there that we need to talk about briefly. One, tell me about SoundCloud because I have the feeling that I know the answer but I want to talk about that briefly. And then two, as you're such great friends with Polearm and you're about to get into the 2020 single run and you do have such a good understanding of branding, what are your thoughts on dropping? Like, are you going to do music videos with everything? Do you think that's necessary? Or tell me that really quickly just because it made me think of it and I have to know now. Oh, I'm, for everyone, I'm definitely going to put out a uh, visualizer, but okay. not so much a music video because um, I'm actually going to move from LA soon because of COVID, I, you know, I, I can't work at, you know, common records anymore due to the fact that, you know, the, the place is in, uh, it, what's it called? It's in quarantine. So I can't physically work there. Yeah. So I have to move back home to, to Florida with my girlfriend, um, for the time oh, being at least, shit. yeah, it's, it sucks, but we, I have to, for the time being at least, because, um, you know, I, I don't make enough money anymore to live in LA. So as soon as the lease is up, I got to move back and then, you know, I'll get my bread up. 
I'll I'll keep being, yeah. I'll keep you it won't halt anything but I won't be able to make art at the same level that I was at the end of 2019 where I was making music videos and stuff because I won't have the resources because I won't live with Evan anymore you know what I mean so I'm definitely going to put out minimal visualizers I'm going to do everything that I can within yeah. my you know within my resources but I don't want to overextend myself and make a shitty music video when I could just do a good marketing like like good marketing yeah. without a music video you know what I mean it's still possible it's just that I don't I don't everything I put out I don't want it to be bad I want there to be some level of quality you know what I mean so there will be I completely there, respect there that. will be visualizers there will be stuff to engage visually but music videos I don't foresee at least right now because you know we'll, we'll have to see until I move back to Florida with my parents um yeah but so yeah that, that's however that. I like your approach there too like I, I have of all people like I, I don't worry about you right like as you continue to grow you will get your bread back up and it will be a thing and let's lead that into not being on SoundCloud because I think from at least maybe go back to like 2016 2017 if you were in the underground SoundCloud scene and you were releasing a bunch of music there it was almost like not like it was almost frowned upon or it was like anti-cred to put music on uh, Spotify or any yeah, other streaming services. Absolutely. But I think a lot of those kids don't understand that Spotify and Apple Music and uh, DSPs like that, they pay you. And that's yes. that's how you survive as a musician. Mm -hmm. And then you don't necessarily have that luxury on SoundCloud unless you're distributing through a third party and they're monetizing for you. It's kind of weird. So tell me about that actually. Yeah, so that's literally... That's literally it. That's why I'm not putting music on SoundCloud anymore because like Spotify and Apple Music like help me pay the bills at the end of the day. Those are the streaming services that pe that like help me. And obviously YouTube as well, but YouTube pays out at, at such yeah. a low rate. Like yeah. YouTube is, is so big, so it's worth putting music on there, but it doesn't pay me. It's just more so for like exposure in a sense. So Spotify and Apple Music and other major DSPs are what helps me like continue to be alive. So I'm not going to waste my resources and put my music on SoundCloud because then, you know, like I'm going to get listeners on SoundCloud that don't actually like give me anything at the end of the day. And and like mm -hmm. people who are on SoundCloud, I've noticed like they don't like to listen to music on any other platform. So I, I just personally, I feel like it's like, why? You know, why should I put my music on there if it's not going to help me in any way? It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's just how no, I feel. Like I, I don't like sound. Like it it doesn't pay me. It's poorly optimized. The UI is terrible. They they don't even like support their artists in the same way their major DSP would. Like fuck it. I don't need SoundCloud anymore. You know I'm like I I passed in 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 a matter of six months on major DSPs. I passed the amount of followers that I had on SoundCloud. So like it's like why would I use this? It's inferior in my in my opinion at least. So. Yeah, no, that's interesting, right? Because like, I guess the counter argument to that is, well, it's music discovery. Any listeners there, maybe it's not as valuable. Maybe it's a little more passive, but like it's one more person that knows the name of your project. And I guess that's the counter argument. But at the same time, if you're early enough into your project and you've put, it's like, it's like your resource and your time. You're like, okay, cool. I get that that's there, but it will never value any, or it will never be of any real value. So I'm going to put my time and effort into somewhere where I believe in growth and where I believe in a future. So that that's interesting to hear an artist, an independent artist, explain it like that and be that aware of it. Yeah, and and yeah. 
Uh, and to to I guess rebuttal against your counter argument in a non, please yeah yeah, yeah. in a non aggressive way. Um, I'm no, not, I'm, I love this. I yeah, love these discussions. It's, it's, Let's go. Um, obviously there is music discovery, but um, like ninety to ninety five percent of a major of like a, an independent artist makes a like ninety to ninety five percent of their income comes from the um metadata playlists of Spotify. So like Discover Weekly Release Radar and all that. So. Those playlists are doing what people on SoundCloud are doing, and it's doing it automated and reaching so many more people. So, like, sure, you could discover my music on SoundCloud, and like, all my past music is still on SoundCloud. So, you could discover my music still and enjoy it, and then go find my new music. Or mm, I could put yeah. it on Sound, I, I, could, I mean, sorry, I could put it on Spotify, and there's this playlist that automatically does it for me and reaches like 4,000 people have the potential to find my music and yeah. and they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do any searching. And that's like the majority of music listeners. You know what I mean? Like they, they, yeah, most people aren't music heads. Most people just want to hear good music. So they're not going to be doing deep dives. And I appreciate the fans that do do the deep dives because those are the people most like me. But like, I, it's just, you, you know what I mean? Like I could reach no, so I many do. people doing nothing or I could reach so few people like doing something that I just feel like it why you know yeah and I actually do love that because again like I came from tour managing worked at labels myself managed artists so like I've seen all the back end of that and I I love as an artist that you look at it that way and I actually like I kind of feel like you're right because the other thing is like maybe fans don't realize it but the best thing that you can do as a, a passive or like as a fan of an artist and you're listening on Spotify is follow their page, like follow their artist profile, save their songs that they release and put them in your own playlists because that tells the Spotify algorithm that this is an artist that people are engaging with and that it's more than just a passive listening. Like it's like, it's something that they really like. And then if you're doing that with a bunch of other artists, if you also love Aries and if you also love Savage Gasp, and you save things like that, then you're doing Christian a huge favor because that data works in his favor and says, okay, cool, all these listeners listen to music similar to this. So now when somebody finds Savage Gasp and they don't know the others, when they go to radio, they're going to discover, they're going to play a song of yours next. And that is that discovery. And then everybody wins because artists are getting discovered and everybody's getting paid. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> no, I I uh I could nerd out on that all day. We we did a podcast all about streaming in 2020 uh with two of my buddies that work at labels and it was like a conversation all about that. So I, again, like I get so fired up and excited uh and it's cool to hear an artist so aware of that because I think again, if you're going to be an independent artist in the 2020s, you have to understand these things and you have to work on them. So it's amazing that you're paying attention like that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm definitely going to check out that podcast and learn oh, more. Oh, yeah, dude, please. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Let me know what you think of that one. I think it, it got a really nice response. So I think we might have to just kind of do like a monthly or some amount of regular coming back to those discussions. So maybe even you and I do one, like where you can speak directly as an artist to be like, I've been trying these things. This is what I like. I, I don't know. I just, any any yeah, value yeah, I can add. Absolutely. I, if, if there's anything I can say that someone else hasn't said, I'm, I'm down to, to help out other people because, you know. Yeah. Why why make music if you're not helping people? You know what I mean. That's how I feel about it. You might as well just help other artists. Like, don't be a dick. 
Yeah, I, I really love that mentality. And I think that music scenes grow and the community grows when people have that energy. Like you don't need to have that like, there's enough room for everyone to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone can get discovered. Everyone can have music out and do well. So, like, let's all come up together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool, dude. All right. I think that's a great place to leave the podcast. Yeah. Awesome.